Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Kylie Camps and welcome to the podcast. This space is dedicated entirely to making a difference in the lives of women. I believe we all have a right and a responsibility to truly live our best lives. It all begins with curiosity, changing our thinking and cultivating more self-love. Through thoughtful conversations and shared experiences, I really hope that you can take something away from this podcast. I'm a business owner, a speaker, a sleep consultant, and mum of twin boys. I've also recently completed some training in the cognitive behavioral therapy space, and I'm super, super passionate about the ability that we all have to really improve our days. And ultimately, when we take ownership of improving our days, we're really improving our whole life. So let's get stuck into today's episode. Welcome to today's podcast. This episode is a conversation with Alex and Jordana. These women are both clinical psychologists and have been working as psychologists for nearly 15 years. They are also best friends and I can tell you that when I met them in real life, they gave me such a strong sister vibe. It was such a pleasure to meet them and be in their company. They are so beautiful and kind and caring. And I could just see how passionate they both are about the work that they are doing. They have worked in private practice together for 12 years and they treat a broad spectrum of presentations through the lifespan. They have both been trained in CBT, acceptance and commitment therapy, schema therapy and eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. That is a mouthful. (laughs) Two years ago, they launched their own private practice, Engaging Minds Clinical Psychology. And this business is continuing to grow and thrive. Whilst earlier this year, Jordana and Alex founded Recharge Clinical Psychology Services, Recharge has a particular focus on workplace well-being and consultancy for HR and executives. It was born out of a desire to take their clinical skills to a wider audience, as well as diversify their own day-to-day workload as well, and to prevent burnout. So I love that. They are such brilliant psychologists, and I'm really excited to explore the topic of trauma with them for today's episode. Now, we do not go into specifics of different kinds of trauma, but we do touch on some things. We share some examples of things that may be considered traumas. So please use your own discretion as to whether or not you feel this episode is going to be uncomfortable or triggering for you personally. 
I feel that we keep it pretty general and we talk more about how trauma can show up and how it impacts us rather than unpacking specific circumstances. But I did still just want to be really, really clear that this might be an episode that isn't appropriate for absolutely everyone and certainly not for little ears either. I hope that you enjoy this conversation. As always, it would mean the world to me if you jump over to Instagram, pop a story up, tag me at Kylie Camps, and I will be able to repost this to my own Instagram as well and tag you. So it's a big circle. Anyway, let's dive in to today's chat about trauma. Alex and Jordana, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to be here and have this big chat with me. I'm so excited to talk to both of you. We first met in real life at an event when events were, you know, one of the things we were allowed to do Mm. pre-COVID. And it was such a pleasure to meet you both. You both have such a beautiful, warm energy. And I remember saying to you, I'll have to have you on the podcast one day. And today, is that day. And we're talking about a big topic. Now, there's no way we're going to get through all of the ins and outs of this topic, but I'm excited to scratch the surface with you and see where our conversation goes. So why trauma? Why do you feel that it's important that we have this conversation today? Yeah, thank you so much, Kylie. Um, We're so grateful to be here and talking about trauma because our clinical practice, our experience um, over around 15 years now, tells us that trauma is a universal experience. So it's something that we all will go through in our lifetime to a greater or lesser degree. And, um, you know, what we see, the more we speak to people is that um, almost everything comes back to trauma in some shape or form. Mm. And I think that the way this happens is, you know, we might notice um, that we're having trouble coping or we're not as resilient as we might like to be kind of in the moment. And sometimes it's because maybe we've just experienced a trauma of some kind. Um, And on other occasions, it might be because a trauma story from our past is playing out again in the present. And so these trauma stories, they really impact all areas of our life, or they can impact all areas of our life. It shows up in our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with others, how we parent, and even how we show up at work. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's a big driving force in life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so what Alex and I are really passionate about is the idea that if we can be better informed about trauma we can be better equipped to look after not only ourselves but other people. And I think almost more importantly, we want to normalize the experience of trauma and how it impacts us. I love that. And I think, well, I mean, I imagine for people listening, they might have a a really instant definition of what trauma is for them, but it's going to be so personal for everyone. And mm. I imagine a lot of people will think trauma must mean something really, really big and dramatic, you know, mm. like a car accident or a fire. So what exactly is trauma and what are the different, I guess, 
you know, versions, or I guess it's a continuum, right? Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I, th- I think that's a really good way of looking at it. And I think some of the things you've just mentioned then, Kylie, um, we sometimes refer to those as the big T's. So those big uh, events that um, cause a very strong emotional res- response. Um, so when we might have ourselves been involved in a, a scary or frightening experience. Um, and uh, But it can also be exposure to those events too. And there's also research that's showing too, and we, we know quite clearly, now is um, a thing called vicarious trauma, um, so where we might be exposed to um, first-hand stories of trauma through our work um, or dealing with people that have suffered a trauma, um, like ourselves. Um, so that's something that we we're, we're, we understand and it's an area that we have to take care of ourselves in um, at work too. Mm-hmm. So... Mm. Um, so, again, the big T's are things like you've just mentioned, um, Kylie. So even, again, the world events like pandemics um, and uh, the, the riots that went on as well last year, but also other things like um, forms of abuse or uh, car accidents and things like that. Whereas the little T's, um, and so this is this is an important thing for people to understand and that might resonate with lots of your listeners today, is that there can be lots of events that seem quite small or benign or innocuous that can be quite traumatic. Um, and they can include things like, um, uh, you know, being exposed to bullying or, or harassment or um, divorce or even moving home or school or death of a pet. And these small little T's can accumulate over time and really change how we actually perceive ourselves, um, our sense of safety and our view of the world as well. Yeah, I think that's such an important point because, as I said, people might automatically go, trauma is, you know, it means I have to have personally gone through something. But Mm -hmm. just as you were speaking then, vicarious trauma, absolutely. I mean, as humans, empathy is one of our our superpowers. So imagining what someone goes through can be traumatizing for someone. And then those little T's, as you referred to them, which I love that terminology because it is, it's a continuum. There's these big you know devastating obvious traumas and then there's the smaller ones that you know I imagine a lot of people would tell themselves oh that's something inconsequential it's insignificant Mm -hmm. but in fact it still is a type of trauma yeah absolutely and I think again this idea that trauma is really subjective so what one person might experience as being distressing for them might be a non-issue for someone else and I think sometimes that's what causes a bit of um, discomfort for us because we can become really self-critical about the fact that we're not coping with something um, if it seems like in comparison to other things that are going on in the world or other people's experiences it shouldn't be a big deal Mm. Mm, and then that adds this whole other layer of pressure it's like when you have depression but you feel like you don't have enough problems to feel depressed, then there's this layer of guilt. So yeah. And it would be the same with little traumas. Then it adds this layer of guilt because you're like, well, why am I so impacted by a mean comment? But, mm-hmm. you know, my husband isn't. Mm-hmm. And then you start berating yourself, which then takes this trauma and adds a whole other layer of guilt. And then, oh, it just, <laughs> yeah. you know, it just snowballs. Absolutely. But I guess one of my questions for you is how do we know? if we're affected by trauma? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, 
Well, first of all, it's important to just highlight that not everyone experiences PTSD. So if we're thinking about like a, a diagnosable response to trauma, we might think of the obvious things like when someone's clearly not coping because of something big that's happened, um, but there's a lot of, um, I guess, more common symptoms that people might not realise are a result of trauma. And that could be things, you know, as you mentioned, uh, low mood or depression. It might be anxiety. Um, it could be when we ruminate. So we just get stuck on the same uh, thoughts or, ideas or images. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we, we all ruminate from time to time. That's completely normal. But uh, if we can recognise that there's something we can't quite shift past, um, mm. then, you know, that might indicate that there's uh, something that has been traumatic for us and that's why we're having difficulty adjusting to it. And just for anyone listening that, doesn't know what PTSD is. Could you just yes. unpack that for us a little bit? Sure. PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. And so that would be when someone has experienced, quite commonly it would be a diagnosis made after a big T has happened. But when someone's experiencing clinically significant symptoms of adjustment to that, um, and again, some of those symptoms might include the ones we've just listed, but it might also be things like flashbacks or it could be sleep disturbance and nightmares or hypervigilance, which is kind of like being on high alert all the time and always being on the lookout um, for the next uh, threat or danger. And what about on a physiological level? Because I'm just thinking um, of people who have gone through trauma, the way that it shows up in their actual body like that, you know, actual shaking if they're in a situation or feeling sick to their mm -hmm. stomach. Like I imagine yeah. that those sorts of things are, are all part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that um, you're right, Kylie, we have, it's very common that we have a very physical or physiological response to trauma and this can happen immediately. Um, and so we often talk to people and you might be familiar with this about um, our fight or flight response. And this is triggered by our autonomic nervous system. Um, so this is, it's like the alarm system in our body, which is designed to keep us safe from harm, but can often feel really uncomfortable and distressing because, you know, it might cause things like all of a sudden our heart feels like it's pounding and our breathing's changed and we've got tightness in the chest and we're feeling sick or we're really sweaty. Um, and so some of these uh, things that we experience in our body can be felt really intensely um, and you know, it can be distressing in itself, but it can cause a lot of worry for people um, when they're not quite sure why these things are happening to their body. Mm. And so if people are experiencing these sorts of responses, that physiological or, you know, the more emotional cognitive side of things where they're ruminating on thoughts, I guess there's two different threads here that I'm thinking of grabbing. One is you know, what about for the people that aren't actually sure what's caused them trauma, but they're noticing that they're getting stuck somewhere in life? Like they might be going, oh, you know, I'm feeling really anxious. I'm panicking a lot. And they've not quite identified that they're struggling with trauma because all too often, I think people minimize things, even, you know, mm -hmm. such things as a traumatic birth. You know, mm -hmm. A woman will go through a traumatic birth, but she'll tell herself and again just like minimizing depression she'll tell herself but really I'm lucky because my baby's here you yes. know despite the fact that she's had this really traumatic event occur and Absolutely. so then it might not catch up with her until five years later mm -hmm. so how do people I guess unravel that thread of working out if something 
you know, or what it is that's causing them to have these physiological or cognitive responses? I, I think that's such a good point, Kylie, because I think often um, we, we might see in our clinical practice individuals come in and they really can't make sense as to why there's um, areas in their life that they're really struggling and that they might have a very strong physiological response to and it's hard for them to make sense as to why they behave in certain ways in certain um, situations. And it's often through... Um, through our therapy that we can really get back to the core roots of what's uh, developed and that the development of those core beliefs um, that have resulted through those earlier traumas. And, you know, even in my clinical practice, and I'm sure Jordana's had the, the same experience where we've had people that have come in and we've really been able to, to get back to the origins of some really early traumas so a childhood trauma um, from you know decades earlier and that when we've been able to identify that and link it through into the current um, experience um, and and use our you know the evidence-based therapies that we we work with they've had profound changes uh, for the individual Mm. I was just going to say profound is the word Mm. that I would use because when you become curious about something in your life and you start to unpack it you do really see how it's been steering and shaping your decisions Mm -hmm. and I guess just even on a personal level just as you were speaking then I was thinking I can so relate to this on a certain scale in terms of when the boys were born they went straight into special care I wasn't able to hold one of them it wasn't the birth or the delivery that I had hoped for. It was an emergency C-section. I didn't get that skin on skin. I wasn't producing milk, all of these things. And I can see, you know, now with a bit of distance, how that disconnection early on impacted the way that I parented, particularly in the first year to two years. Mm -hmm. You know, just I I felt like I had to be very vigilant, very... um, I guess ever present because I felt like yeah. I missed I missed that connection yes. in the first 24 hours yeah. and you know even now when I cast my mind back and I can think about interactions with other family members where I just wanted to hold the boys like I was like you mm. know like I want to do it all I want to and I think it's so empowering and as you said profound to look back and go ah oh, I can see X event led to Y behaviour. Yes. And then, you know what I mean? Like you oh, absolutely. It all. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, I and think, you know, gift. I've had similar stories that you're mentioning there, Kylie, too, about even a, a parent with a, a similar, a very similar trauma um, birth story. And when we were able to link that back, it was this this real recognition of like, oh, now I understand why I've overcompensated in this area and yes. why I've been, you know, had this guilt there that I just, you know, and was be- was were really being so hard on themselves. Um, so yeah, it's it's powerful when we can really get to the to the root cause. Absolutely, and I think I think when we can understand how trauma really can start to shape the core beliefs we have about ourselves, the way that we fundamentally see ourselves or see the world around us, um, those core beliefs then can so easily be triggered in other later times in our life, uh, again, by big events or small events. But when we can understand these origins, it can help people to then just be a lot more um, understanding of themselves, but show a lot more self-compassion as well and can really help with that adjustment going forward. Mm -hmm. I'm the biggest advocate for people and particularly 
I mean, for, for anyone, any human, but particularly I think, you know, women, we are often the glue of a household. And so when we can point the finger inwards and, you know, know ourselves better, mm. it has such a big flow on effect to our partners, our kids, our community and everything. And all too often we're kind of told, well, not told, but we kind of develop this belief of like, push it down, push it down, get on mm. with it, get on with it. Mm. But understanding, as you just explained, we have formed a belief from this trauma and then this belief is the one in the driver's seat you know it's making decisions on our subconscious behalf whereas you know we we understand so many beliefs develop in childhood but these big things or these little traumas that happen sometimes they're calling the shots yes absolutely I think we often talk about, um, we sometimes talk to people about the shark music analogy. And this is the idea that you might have two people who are walking down to the beach and one person sees sunshine and beautiful water and feels relaxed. And the other person hears shark music in their head and panics. And that might be based on their experience they've had. And so often what happens is there might be really safe situations but for us the shark music's going off in that moment because of what we've been through and it can be completely flooding it can really impact our ability to manage in that situation or to be able to think a bit more logically and rationally about what's going on and it can feel really overwhelming when this system hijacks us Mm-hmm. Yes, and if you don't understand what's going on when you hear that dun it, dun it, then your yeah. body starts going into fight or flight, flight. and that mm-hmm. could come out as anger, it could come out as anxiety, it could come out as actually fleeing relationships yes, and, you know, wanting to isolate yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what happens if someone is experiencing those feelings of wanting to let's go with flee first say that they're wanting to run they're wanting to isolate they don't want to look at it what are some first steps that they could take I think that well in an ideal world if we can start to understand ourselves and our own trauma histories a little bit more um effectively, we can start to see when this is happening. So, you know, we might have this sense of like, oh gosh, I'm panicking here and I want to run, but we might be able to pause for a moment and say, where is this coming from? Um, Is this thought that I'm having right now that this is unsafe? Is this really um, a helpful thought in this situation? And so it might allow us to just readjust our thinking so that we can cope with that moment um, more easily but it also could be that it's just in that moment we it calls for like a a simple self-regulation or coping strategy so when we've got this this fight or flight system that is um, kind of hijacked our body one of the simplest ways that we might be able to regulate in ourselves in the moment is with something like belly breathing And that can really just help the brain to get the message of switching off that um, defence mechanism that's um, kind of in high alert. Mm, Really important. And I imagine a similar thing as well if you're freezing, if you're kind of getting stuck in that loop, a similar thing would be helpful? Oh, absolutely. I think, again, the interesting thing with the flight or freeze is that we all have a... um, this primitive response to keep our bodies safe. And they are, they are um, protective in the moments, particularly when we are um, in, an, in an unsafe environment. But they when we actually fall into that fight or flight um, uh, 
reaction response. within yeah, yeah response within our bodies if we feed it so we often talk to clients about feeding the anxiety all it can do is actually escalate that system and so it's so important in that moment whether whatever um, of the F's that we are, um, because we all have kind of a natural tendency there. It's learning to um, understand that we can actually take charge of our autonomic nervous system again, and we we have the power to actually regulate that system um, by slowing down our breathing, using a belly breath, being using some of the thought diffusion and and that mindfulness practice of you know in that moment right now I might my body's telling me I'm unsafe, but I actually know I am safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's a com- yeah combination of all of that. I really like that analogy of feeding it. Mm. Like as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, that's such a great way to look at it because it is easy to get spirally and you mm-hmm. get spirally yeah. with your thoughts or your actions and you start yeah. feeding it and it is only going to get bigger. So I think that's a really, a really great visual way mm. to, you know, keep that in mind. Now we spoke about, you know, for some people they might, feel a urge to isolate themselves or how trauma can shape their core beliefs how can it also impact relationships and parenting and even just showing up in the workplace yeah I think um, it can have a huge impact so sometimes uh, it can seem obvious to us how our old trauma stories impact our relationships so we might recognize that it's hard for us to actually have the connections we might be looking for um, in relationships if we've been abused or let down by people in the past or we have a core belief about how we're not safe or we can't trust it might mean that we don't allow ourselves to become vulnerable with other people and that gets in the way of us being able to have or maintain the kinds of relationships that we'd like or it, it could be the other way it might be that um, if we've experienced um, something that's traumatic in our earlier life um, like the loss of a significant person in our life um, or separation we might find that it's hard to let go of a relationship even if we might know logically and rationally that it's an unhealthy one so sometimes our trauma experiences and core beliefs keep us stuck in um, unhealthy circumstances um, even when the logical rational part of us might know better Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mm-hmm. You know, I think taking that a bit further, Jordana, I think, you know, a, a, a common one that we might see in arguments in couples or conflict in, in, in a relationship is that when... Um, there might be conflict and and both parties are feeling dysregulated. Often, you know, people might say, you know, just take a a 10-minute breather um, where one might, you know, suggest to leave the room and go on and take a few breaths before you continue the conversation. But for an individual that has suffered an abandonment early on in their life or, you know, a loss of a significant parent or things like that, that in in the moment of a parent, a, a partner walking out of the room can actually trigger that scheme of flooding or that core belief flooding of mm. I'm abandoned again, I'm unlovable, and that can actually be more dysregulating for the for mm. that person. 
And so when we can really understand our trauma stories as individuals, as a couple, um, what that then does for us as a parent and then also, you know, in our workplace and all of that, it really can um, shape um, how we um, communicate to others what our needs are so that we can become more regulated. Mm. I think that is such an important point to highlight because when we can own our trauma story, as you said, then we have, we've empowered ourselves in a relationship and we can say this, you know, when you do X, it brings up something for me and it's not about you, but for me that's re-traumatizing so in the example that you just shared say that someone is feeling abandoned to have their partner you know when they get angry their response is to get in the car and drive away to let off steam Mm. but for someone that's been abandoned that's like putting the knife in even even further yeah so Mm -hmm. if you know that about yourself and then you can say hey when you get angry I understand that you have a need to flee but when you flee this brings up you know it re-triggers me so can we meet in the middle here and rather than you leave the house you go upstairs yeah like having some safe boundaries absolutely yeah Mm. yeah and I think when you're right when we understand these things about ourselves it really can allow us to communicate more openly with other people about what our needs are and it also really gives us a greater understanding of um, other people's uh, responses in the moment as well and so it means that some of the things that might have been difficult about our experiences in the past can be managed in a much healthier way in the here and now. So trauma doesn't have to be sort of a lifetime of um, ongoing dysfunction or destruction, but when we can have a better understanding of it and uh, have some strategies in place for how we manage it when it shows up, um, well, then normally we can get on with living the lives we want to live and feeling how we want to feel. Yeah, and I think even, you know, specifically for workplaces, you know, when employers or, you know, managers can be aware of what um, a a staff member's needs are when they are dysregulated, this can this can really be very um, preventative and pr- um, protective for those staff members too. So, you know, an example I might have is um, an individual that might have become very anxious in a in a setting in a uh, meeting, for example, that they had a um, a sign that they would give their manager um, that they would leave for a short period of time and then come back in. And so, you know, the that the manager understood they're very supportive of that. It kept it didn't mean that someone was either yelling during a meeting or um, just running out of the room. There was, you know, something that everyone felt very empowered by as well. Mm. And even if we could just unpack dysregulation a little bit as well so that people understand exactly what that is. When you say dysregulation, Mm. I imagine, you know, feeling waves of anxiety or anger, shortness of breath, that sort of thing. Yeah. 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 I think when I think of dysregulation, it's kind of when the the shark music's triggered in our head. And so in that moment, yeah, we're flooded with some of these um, physiological um, discomfort symptoms, but it might be that we we just lose the ability to stay in the present moment um, and to be able to then calm ourselves or Uh, challenge the perhaps worry thoughts or unhelpful thoughts that are going through our mind. Um, It might mean that we shut down. So dysregulation can be, again, different for different people. Um, But I think if we can start to 
notice what our own signs of being dysregulated are um, and then have some ideas in place for how we can manage it when it shows up in the moment or certainly to be able to pick up on it when we notice it from other people as well, um, then we can um, be better equipped to bring ourselves back into the safety of the here and now more effectively. Yeah, and I think just taking that a bit further, in, uh, when we think, we often talk to clients about um, the polyvagal theory of trauma, and this is um, very much related to our autonomic nervous system, and understanding that there's there's different, we sometimes use the imagery of a ladder, and so at the top of the ladder is our sympathetic nervous system, so this is our fight, flight or freeze response when we're feeling very hyper-aroused or um you know, hyper-stressed. The middle of the ladder is the ventral vagal and this is the space when we actually feel very calm, safe, connected and regulated would be the term that we would use there. And then the bottom is the the dorsal vagal and sometimes we refer to that as like the dorsal vagal collapse where people feel like they actually can't be around others, they shut down, they might feel very despairing and hopeless. And so that when we, when you know, someone might, a client might say to me, I feel very overwhelmed right now, but it's important for us to understand, well, whereabouts are you on that ladder and what is it that you need in that moment to actually re, to re-regulate? Um, so this is where it, it can look very, very different for different individuals. Um, mm-hmm. And once clients can understand that, they again have um, this ability to really um, take better care of themselves as well. Mm. Can I add something else to that, which is I'm sure we can all relate to this, um, an experience where maybe we can tune into something that's happening in our body. So we might be going like, oh, I'm just feeling a bit queasy in the tummy today or, you know, I'm just feeling a little bit tight in the chest. So our body will be giving us a sign that something's going on. And if we can be curious about that and lean into it, we might then be able to pick out what's going on, where is that coming from? Um, It might be, you know, I'm feeling a bit queasy in the tummy because I'm nervous. I'm nervous about this thing, you know, that I've got to go and do in half an hour or I'm feeling a bit tight in the chest and it's because I am ruminating right now. I've got this story that just keeps looping in my head. Um, So these might be the signs that we're dysregulated and it can be super helpful if we can just learn to tune into our body because it will often give us these warning signs um, and then little clues for um, what we can do to look after ourselves or what it is that we need to be um, maybe looking into a little bit further. Mm. Absolutely. I think that's brilliant um, advice there to just be curious when a cue is popping up for you and to notice it because it is so easy in this day and age to drown out. Yeah, own, we're experts at that. <laughs> yeah, you know, you might start to feel a little tight in the chest. So you think, okay, well, I'll do some exercise to get rid of that. Whereas maybe, sure, maybe sometimes that's what you need, but other times it's like, no, no, you need to follow this thread and see yeah. where that tightness is coming from. Mm. Yeah, I think so. it's it's really in our human nature to want to avoid any kind of distress and so we do become experts at just finding the quickest way to block it out Um, and whether that's by doing something that shifts the sensation in our body whether it's by busying ourselves and distracting ourselves um, you know nine times out of ten we'll choose that option over pausing for a moment and just being curious about what's going on and then perhaps uh, finding a way of responding to that that's going to have a better long-term outcome. Mm, Absolutely. And I think probably for me the biggest thing that I would want anyone listening to take away from this chat is 
that trauma is such a personalized experience and it really isn't about the size of the trauma or whether you were directly involved. If you are experiencing side effects or you're experiencing, you know, the feelings of trauma, then that is what it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I think I couldn't agree with that more. We just, we often, and I'm sure um, Alex would agree, we often get into conversations with people where they struggle because they're comparing themselves to other people. So they might be thinking, you know, I don't know why I'm not coping with this because, you know, this isn't as bad as what's happened to so-and-so or I can't understand why I just can't get past this. Um, so we're, we're constantly trying to assess whether what's going on for us is okay and we always just say to people let's not compare we're all individuals um, and if something feels like a problem for you or if something causes distress for you well then that's real and that's the only part of it that we really need to focus on yes and minimizing and explaining it away or trying to put gratitude on top of it might not be the solution maybe no (laughs) booking in with someone to speak about and explore could be really really helpful because as we spoke about not only is it causing you potential pain but it's it's also calling the shots with decisions that you're making in life and like big decisions as well Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah absolutely I would love to also just before we finish up today chat a little bit about um, post-traumatic growth because I think that it is important to highlight that when we go through something difficult yes it can be and it, it obviously is just by definition traumatic but we can also become more curious learn about it and then take what we have learned and grow so I'd love for you either of you to unpack post-traumatic growth um, or even like post-challenge growth I guess uh, I think, again, we, we love this idea and for, for individuals to understand that if you have suffered traumas, that this is that there's a lot of hope. Um, not only is that um, there are many evidence-based treatments out there to get to that post-traumatic growth um, part, um, but we, we understand that, and, you know, it's often the hardest things or our greatest challenges in life that bring us the most growth and often bring us the most meaning uh, or give new meaning to our lives. Um, And I think this is probably the part of our job that we love the most is that when we've seen people work through their traumas, um, that they often can say at the end of that trauma that they feel like a different person um, and often for the better. And they are often can be can be more grateful and can be more self um, compassionate and kind to themselves and that was something that was really missing in their lives before mm. um, so it's this is they're, they're the profound changes that we we find most satisfying in our work yeah absolutely and I I think to add to that um, when we've experienced a trauma and particularly when we do the hard work um, to work through it it often causes us to reassess our values. And so it can mean that we begin to make different decisions that maybe we didn't feel um, confident enough or liberated enough to make before. And so it can really open up pathways to having more enriched lives or just even being able to know with more certainty what's actually important to us and how do we want to invest our time and our energy or, you know, what do we want our relationships to be like? And so it might mean that moving through trauma means we're living less on autopilot or, you know, by the script that we think we have to follow and being able to really live a a more wholehearted, meaningful life. 
I love that. I think that's so important because when we're suppressing something and ignoring it, I think that we are more inclined to go on autopilot and just accept, you know, our lot in life. This is our belief. This is how I operate. But when you really look at why you are the way you are, which can be very uncomfortable, um, <laughs> speaking from personal experience, <laughs> really uncomfortable, but it can also be this you know, amazing journey into dissolving those beliefs and Mm -hmm. going, okay, who would I be if I didn't have that belief? Yeah. And it opens up the possibilities and it, you know, it takes that tiny slither of hope that you might have when you first start working with someone and it just gets bigger and bigger and more expansive. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think something that we probably both um, often talk about with people is this idea that, often trauma seems to shape people's identities. So when they haven't, um, I guess, given themselves the opportunity to work through trauma yet, their experiences can become like what they measure themselves um, by. But when we work through trauma, we can often get to that point where we realise this does not define me. This is not my identity. Um, I can... Um, I can be measured by so much more than what some of my stories have been. Um, And I think it's just so empowering to be able to do that. Um, I think through that process, often we can let go of sometimes the embarrassment or the shame or the fear of judgment that comes with trauma and to just be able to embrace it for how um, it's allowed us to step into, again, that more wholehearted um, life where we can be more accepting of ourselves. Absolutely. I love the way that you've explained it. It it definitely gives more of a sense of freedom rather than yeah. going, okay, this is a cross that I have to have to bear forever. Mm, absolutely. So for our listeners, you know, what are some things that they could perhaps do to just sort of dip their toes in the water of getting to know themselves and looking at their own traumas? And of course, you know, for anyone that's gone through anything that is, you know, truly like a a big trauma, I guess, a big T, you would definitely recommend that they speak with a professional such as, you know, someone in your field. But for anyone at home that might just be curious about their smaller T's, are there anything, any tools that you can recommend like books or journaling or any sort of practice that I guess can bring about more self-awareness? Yeah, um, I think that's a great question. And I think the reality is there's lots of different things we can do. And again, it might be different based on the individual. I'm really a sucker for journaling um, because I think that if we allow ourselves to do things like journaling with, um, you know, without lots of rules and standards around how it has to be done, it can allow us to start to get out some of our trauma stories, um, start to maybe see some themes around feelings that pop up in different situations and be able to then put the pieces together and sort of go, oh, you know, there seems to be um, a pattern emerging here and where might that come from? And I also think that there's so many things we can do through journaling. I know you've done a couple of podcast episodes on things like journal prompts. And I think when we use strategies like that, it can help us to, um, you know, both get an understanding of why we might struggle, but also what are some of the things that we need to be thinking about or telling ourselves or what are the actions we need to be taking so we can start to move through this in a different way. So I always think journaling is a great starting point. 
Mm. And I think in terms of some of our favourite go-to books that we might recommend for clients, um, uh, there's The Reality Slap by Dr. Russ Harris. That's a great one where we can just start to really understand some of those patterns between our, our thinking, feelings um, and and behaviour. And there's also a really good book by um, Jeffrey Young called Reinventing um, your reinventing your life, um, which is based on schema therapy, which is the um, which is around the core beliefs, and that can really help us actually identify what our schemas or core beliefs are, and where they might have come from as well. So it's an excellent book to access as um, uh, to address that. You know, I think. Uh, something to highlight here and something that Jordana and I spoke about before the podcast that we think is important for the listeners to know too is that often individuals that have been through um, traumatic events um, and have developed some of those really unhelpful core beliefs like I'm not good enough, I am unlovable, um, I'm not deserving of care, it often means that there's that gets in the way of some of those self-care practices or self-compassion um, strategies that that people might be aware of now, because they don't feel that they can put them in place because they don't they don't care about themselves enough. And so it's really important for for individuals to know that that's what the barrier is. Um, mm-hmm. And so when they can start to see why is it that I don't. Why am I not doing those things that I know take care of me? This is often what is gets in the way of that. Yes. And so how do people break through that barrier? Is it a case of going, well, this is a cycle and I've just got to jump in this cycle somewhere? You know, like I, yeah. I when I say cycle, I guess what I mean is, you know, there's that self-care, looking after yourself, but if there's so much resistance, you're not mm-hmm. going to do it. And then it's this mm-hmm. self-fulfilling prophecy of like, I guess what I'm trying to explain is I just had a conversation with a friend about sleep and he was saying he's struggling to sleep and so therefore he's struggling to exercise. Mm -hmm. And I was saying, but if you exercise, then you might sleep better. And it's like you just have to pull the trigger and jump in at Mm -hmm. some point in the cycle. Is it a similar thing? taking care of yourself or addressing these things? Yeah, I think sometimes I just ask people the simple question of how well is this working for you? So, you know, when when people perhaps aren't taking the steps to look after themselves um, that we think would be helpful and perhaps they, you know, can come up with excuses for why that's the way it is, we might just say, well, how well is it actually working for you? And I think just then being able to... Um, you know, start to challenge our thinking about, um, you know, where is this going to get me if I don't open up to um, a little bit more self-compassion or if I don't open up to some simple self-care? I'm so glad you said that because defining what's actually working is Mm. so important. So many people will say, this is the only thing that works. Mm. Well, actually, it's it's not working. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Similar to when I work with babies and their sleep. So many parents would say, you know, this is the only thing that works. And it's like, well, hang on, it's not working. It's not working. You're spending an hour bouncing your baby. (laughs) No no one's sleeping. You're stressed. You're anxious about bedtime. So you've told yourself this story about this is what works. But, hey, let's stop and pause and define what is actually working for you and in the context of trauma maybe what people think works is they've gotten into a habit of being able to go through the motions and feel numb and it's Mm. like that that's not actually what working 
you know, like maybe let's redefine working to be able to have a functioning relationship, able to have self-compassion, able to practice self-care. That's what, what's working, what would be really what we define as working. So how can we get there? Absolutely. And I think even another question we, we might get clients to consider is which hard do you want to choose? Yeah, that's a great one. I think that this is, you know, do you want to choose avoiding, you know, the addressing this trauma, avoiding any of those triggers and not being able to go into the city with your friends, for example, if the city is a is a, a, a trigger and not be and feeling, you know, excluded from them? Or do you want to face that anxiety and actually choose that that hard, but actually end up having more closeness and being able to live the life that you want to? So it's all things in life can be hard, but we want to choose the ones that kind of lead us to improved well-being, as a, as opposed to further away from that. Absolutely, and that's one of the things that I've spoken about it so many times on social media and on the podcast as well. But it's it's the whole concept of every single thing in life is pain versus pleasure. Yeah. Is the pain is the pain of addressing this concern worth the pleasure of being able to overcome it, such as in the example you just shared, you know, is the pain of working on your trauma worth the pleasure of being able to enjoy time in the city with your friends? Mm-hmm. Is is the pain of unpacking your traumatic birth worth the pleasure of understanding the way that you're showing up in parenting like there's so many you know and I've said this before on Instagram as well like is the pain of getting up now and hanging up the washing worth the pleasure of knowing it's done yes it it can be really really small is the pain of showing up to therapy and sharing your story worth the pleasure of the journey of self-awareness and I think that you know it is absolutely that's spot on. Mm. Such a big topic. Is there anything else that you wanted to add to this before we wrap up our conversation? I might just um, add that another um, good resource, I would say, is most things by Brene Brown. Um, just oh, because, you know, yeah, yeah. So, you know, books, you've got your Netflix episode, uh, she's got her own podcast, but she's fantastic just for helping people to understand uh, trauma and how that impacts us, shame and vulnerability, um, and, you know, really relatable um, examples of how it might get in the way in people's lives and what we can start to do to, um, to change that. So she's a fantastic resource. Yeah, and I think the only thing I'll say is that if people do seek um, professional treatment for trauma is that there are some really um, uh, great treatments out there right now that are very effective. Um, So there is, you know, trauma-informed CBT or cognitive behaviour therapy, um, schema therapy, and also EMDR, which is the eye movement desensitisation reprogramming, which is a a, uh, type of therapy that we use in our clinic too that has got is really really effective for the treatment of trauma so amazing yeah amazing stuff well thank you so much for the work that you're doing and I think that it's it's so exciting that we live in a day and age where we have the resources and the ability to understand you know what's going on below the surface and how it can show up above the surface so thank you so much for unpacking trauma for our listeners today where can our community connect with you um, we have a website um, which is Recharge Clinical Psychology Services um, and we're also on Instagram. We don't have a huge social media presence um, but you can find us on Instagram at Recharge Clin Psych as well. 
perfect. I will have all of those details in the show notes. Ladies, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kylie. It's been fantastic to just open up the conversation about something which really probably is impacting all of our lives. So thank you for the time and the space for that. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs>